Brothers, join in imitating me from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be back in what is almost a post-pandemic season. Um, it feels like the church is full again, and there's life and energy, and um, we give praise to God for getting us through these last couple of years. You've heard the expression, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. To imitate someone is to pay that person a genuine compliment, whether it's intended or not. We imitate people because we look up to them or we're impressed by what they stand for or what they've accomplished, and we simply want to be like them. If you'd been to the wharf uh, in San Francisco 10 years ago, you would have seen an incredible Michael Jackson impersonator. And look at the thousands of Elvis impersonators from the 1980s and 90s. Now, back before TV and internet and social media, we had our parents and our grandparents primarily to look up to, to imitate. And when these folks were disciples of Jesus, it helped build and form communities that were grounded in Christian thought and practice. Well, that's all gone by the wayside in the last 50 years. Our culture has, in fact, detached itself from the Judeo-Christian moorings and it now offers, I think, some of the worst examples of humanity to imitate. Lyrics to popular songs today are nothing short of vile and violent. Images on TV and the internet can be just as bad. And it's funny or perhaps ironic, but 2,000 years ago, the Philippians were wrestling with the same kind of problems that we wrestle with today. I want to take a 2,000-year trip back to the city of Philippi. They were asking questions like, who should I follow? Who should I emulate? How should I act? Philippi was this small little city on the main east-west highway of the Roman Empire. It was less than a day's journey from uh, a very important coastal city. So itinerant and transients of all types would pass through Philippi, and they'd bring news of the world to them. They would bring new philosophies, they'd bring entertainment, and they'd bring the latest fads. These travelers were a source of novelty, and people would often seek to imitate and, and, and emulate them, drawn to the newest and latest fads. In the section of the Philippians letter that we read today, St. Paul draws on three contrasts just within these five verses. He draws contrasts between enemies of the cross and friends of the cross, between those who set their minds on earthly things versus those devoted to heavenly things, and then between our present limited bodies and the glorified body that is yet to be revealed. St. Paul knows the temptation we have to imitate others, so he tells the Philippians, if you're going to imitate someone, imitate me or others like me. Now that's a pretty bold statement. But what he's really telling them is to imitate someone who you've lived with and even tested over time rather than the latest thing to come over to the TV or the Internet. Instead of following someone who looks good or sounds good, follow someone who is actually doing good in faithfulness to the crucified and risen Lord. Now, people who are enemies of the cross, those focused on earthly things and enamored by fleshly things, were everywhere in the time of St. Paul and around every church he planted. Many of these people adopted parts of Christianity and then adapted it to their own preferences to make it a little bit more convenient or easy. These folks believed that they had the fullness of salvation, and yet their bodies didn't matter. Their actions didn't matter. They could sin, but it would not matter to the Lord. They were spiritually and morally superior to others. They considered themselves the enlightened, the elite, 
and therefore believe Christianity must bend to their own special knowledge, special will. That Greek word for knowledge is gnosis, where we get the term Gnostic, which was a major first and second century heresy. These folks could indulge in all kinds of earthly appetites and behaviors, and not only pretend not to care, but actually glorify or elevate this behavior to something right and holy. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? St. Paul makes reference to these folks when he says their God is the belly. In the face of this false teaching and morality, Paul calls the followers of Jesus to set their sights on better things, to realize that our citizenship is not on earth but in heaven, and we're to focus on things eternal, to stand firm in the Lord so that we will be known as friends of the cross. In our day and age, just like St. Paul's, this is hard. It's not easy. It's not popular. It's certainly not convenient. Today, people don't want to hear about sin and repentance. In fact, many in the church would like to just simply let people be comfortable with who they are, to come into the Christian faith and feel at home and maybe even stay a while. You've heard this before, but many in the church just want bigger crowds, bigger buildings, more programs, and worldly recognition. It's a microwave-type Christianity that's cheap and quick and easy. But according to St. Paul, that's not going to get us where we need to be. When we think of enemies of the cross, we think of folks like radical Muslims who chant death to Christians. We think of Hitler gassing over a million Christians for standing up against his, his injustice. We think of Stalin and Lenin stamping out the public proclamation of the gospel. We think of the Sudanese government turning a blind eye to the enslavement and murder of their Christian citizens. But actually, when we think of enemies of the cross, we should look a little closer to home. There's nothing comfortable about the Christian faith, and to pretend there is misses the very point of Christianity entirely. And that's why St. Paul says, if you want to get it right, imitate me. And what St. Paul was striving to do in his life was to imitate Christ. In his letter to the Ephesians church, in chapter 5, he writes these words, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this is all well and good. We know what we are supposed to do, and that is to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. But then Paul gets into meddling. He tells us what we're not supposed to do in, in Ephesians if we're to imitate Christ. He says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. He's definitely gone to meddling now, hasn't he? We get plenty of that stuff from the role models that are found in our culture. So in a culture devoid of true role models, perhaps we in the church have a wonderful opportunity today to step out and to show the world a better way, a way that in fact leads to life. Those who are being confirmed today are actually standing before us proclaiming they're going to follow that way. They're turning to the Lord Jesus and trusting him as their Savior, and they're agreeing or proclaiming that they will be obedient to his word. They will follow him as their Lord. And there is something very attractive about that that I think the world really desires. We live in a world, a culture with brokenness and hunger, spiritual hunger all around, and we're, people are turning to all kinds of things to try to fill that hunger. There's only one who can truly satisfy and this morning, you all will stand up and say, 
It's Jesus. I'll follow him as my Lord and Savior. And you're not doing it just for yourselves. You're doing it actually for the sake of the world. Because when you leave here today, you're taking Jesus out there with you. And you're going to show Jesus to the world, the world who truly needs him. And I would say, I know the First Communioners are not here, but, but they're doing something special as well. They're coming forward today, and they're offering themselves as a vessel to receive the Lord into their lives. And they, too, will take Jesus out into the world. One more irony in all of this is it is the way of the cross, which is death, that leads to life. And it is a life that everyone in our world truly needs. So during this season of Lent, I pray and I encourage all of us to seek to embrace more fully the way and to imitate the one who leads to life. In the name of the living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.